Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how's it going, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing better, man. I was like sick for like half of the week. Ugh. I'm feeling a little better now. I'm sorry to hear that. No, you know it, it's um, we, well flu-like stuff or what? Like a deep, deep chest cold. Like Ooh. nothing like debilitating, but really like I and the coughing. I was just like coughing, 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 and uh, a sore throat and a deep chest cold and um. Like today's probably the first day that my voice has been half decent at all, but uh, and it's not to the point where, like, it's not like I laid in bed. Like I spent half. Well, Monday was a holiday here, family day, and Kobe was back, so we just relaxed and stuff. Uh, actually, took a stat holiday, and um, and then like Tuesday, I was like, oh, I didn't get out to the shop till about like ten o'clock or something like that. And it was one of those times when you're just working, and you just you work for like half an hour and all of a sudden you're just like man I'm exhausted and just zero energy but wasn't enough to keep me down but it certainly wasn't working at my normal pace and and effort but man it was just but anyways I'm starting to feel in the up and up and I'm stoked about it you know what I think it is I wonder if it's because like we've spent like two years (laughs) like afraid of each other and our immune systems have had such a vacation from ever having to do anything and now (laughs) it seems like every time you turn around somebody you know is sick it's like oh they've got the cold they've got the flu they've got this i don't know uh, i don't know man it's i've never gotten sick as much as i have since the pandemic ended you <laughs> can hear i not sure you can hear or not i've got like a smoker's laugh right now because of this thing oh. <laughs> but how's your week been well it's been all right, I guess. Um, I, I had one of the better days I've had um, in months with my back. Oh, yeah. However, ever since then, this stupid carpal tunnel surgery areas on my uh, both hands have been extremely hotter than the surrounding tissue. Oh, dear. And my uh, from about two inches from my elbow all the way to where my fingers start has just been killing me. I mean, some of the worst pain. So Ah. it kept me awake night before last from midnight on. I mean, I literally, and I've slept through all kinds of pain. It's just, I don't know. I think some of most of us, I think a lot of our sleeping comfort is based on neck and arm position. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's funny you say that. I woke up last night in the middle of the night because the way I had like my arm underneath me somehow, and I woke up and I couldn't. You know, your your hand goes to sleep so hard you can hardly move it. I had to roll yeah. over, take take my other arm, and move my arm off myself because I was so janked up. No, I know. <laughs> like any pain, it just it's hard to sleep with any discomfort in your limbs. Hey, ugh. I'm so used to like sleeping through back pain and other pain, but this arm and uh, when I had uh, kidney stones, Mm. (laughs) can't sleep through that. Yeah, no kidding. Hmm. That's a bummer. So when uh, what's a what's a typical recovery like for carpal tunnel? Well, he, said, the uh, he saw me uh, back in, I had my surgery January 3rd. He said it can hurt and be healing all the way through April. Oh, wow. He said some people it's shorter, some people it could be longer. And he warned me that my left hand could be in the longer category because um, 
he thought both of them were just meh, moderate, you know, until he got in there. Mm. But, and uh, he's like, yeah, it was a lot worse than I thought. Huh. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that I hope it heals just fine, mm-hmm. even if it takes that long. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't had some of the pain that the surgery was supposed to cure, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that is good. You know, well, I got some exciting news for you, Todd, about our podcast here. We do. <laughs> we're up to eighteen subscribers. <laughs> is the estimated thing from Transistor? Oh, right. Yeah, I know. So it's we not have just doubled <laughs> since December. I know. Like what? This is crazy. Oh man, I honestly feel like I can't laugh right now because I I sound like a smoker. <laughs> Does that sound like a smoker to you? <laughs> oh, man. Eh, not really, but... Mm. Oh, yeah. If it was yeah, just so I... the voice, yes. But then there's the congestion in there, too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of throws you off the smoker trail. That's true. Yeah, normally on Thursday, even last night, like Thursday nights, I do open story time at Awana. One is like a, it's a, it's a club. It's like an internet U.S. Canadian thing. They do it at churches, and it's a lot of Bible memory work for kids. And so our kids join. I did it when I was a little kid. My parents were Awana leaders, and then we joined this year. And then the way they have it set up is, if you want your kids to do it, one of the parents has to volunteer, which I think is great. You know, because so many times there's like all these things happening and nobody volunteers for them. So you're not allowed to register until you sign up as a volunteer first. And so Steph signed up and I wasn't going to do any helping with it. And they had enough small group leaders and then they didn't have a large story time leader. And um, somebody suggested, Oh, you should get Jeremy to do it. He he's good at that stuff. And so I do the large group story time, but I couldn't go last night cause I just, my throat was still like every five last night, every five to 10 minutes, I just cough up a lung. It was just ridiculous. But, but uh, I'm glad it's, I feel even every day I wake up, I feel better and better. So it's good. You know, it sucks. I, was, I had all these ideas for videos I was going to do. I couldn't, couldn't do them until like I recorded the first video yesterday. It will come out today, but I've been, uh, you know, out in the shop, just kind of cleaning things up and doing things that don't require, a lot of fuck it's hard you can't really focus on anything when you're like coughing every minute like ugh. it was such a pain in the butt and then you you feel like you just want to be like you know what i just feel like just taking the day and just laying down in front of the tv or just laying in bed but then it's like no i'm not gonna waste an entire day of my life boo-hoo i got a cold but then you go to work and it's like i can't actually do anything oh yeah but yeah i know i started uh I'm doing a batch of 10 last ditch Neckers and I haven't done a batch of knives. I saw that photo on on the old social medias. On the gram. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's weird because I haven't done a batch of knives for a long time. And to me, the, those knives are the perfect knife to batch out because there's not a lot of work into each blade. You know what I mean? Like when I was grinding those bevels, I was like, you start grinding. It's like, shoot, this one's done. <laughs> like, you got to be careful. It's like, whoo. It, honestly, I think to rough in those bevels, each one of them may be, well, maybe tops five minutes of blade. And that's if I have to switch back and forth a little bit to, to even up the plunge line or something like that. But man, I like those little knives. <laughs> I like making them because like, there we go. Those bevels are done. Whereas a big knife, it's kind of like, Oh, you got so much more grinding and then so, you know, so many different areas to blend. Whereas those, those blades, the entire length of the blade fit on the belt. So there's really no blending like back and forth or anything, you know, it was fun. Is that quite enjoyable? So I got to keep working on those a little bit today. And then, uh, I'd like to have them all heat treated. I'm not sure. That's the part I do not enjoy doing. That's probably my least favorite part about knife making is heat treating. 
even like the dunk in the oil and the flint. I just wish you could snap your fingers and have it be done. I hate that part of it. But what do you do, hey? Well, you know, if you made out enough knives, you could send them out for heat treat. Um, yeah, that's true. Or do them all in stainless steel. Yeah. And stainless is even almost even worse. Oh, I got to try or, that. Or what? Because um, you have, ha- um, being lat- last ditch neckers, they have a hole in the handle, right? Yep. Yeah, you could line them up on a stainless steel bar in the in the heat treat oven. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as they all get hot, then you're instead of having a tube, have like a trough for quenching, uh-huh. and you just bloop, and Dunk you them, all. them all at the same time. That's a good idea, actually. That's a good idea. You put little spacers between them. Yeah, because I could do, like, I've got an ammo can with with oil. And for last-ditch neckers, that would definitely be enough. You just have them spaced out, like, two, three feet. I wonder if the oil get too hot. I don't know. That's an inch. I like that idea there, Todd. That's a, you, you like, have a oh, production knife-making. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good idea. I'm going to have to look into something like that. And you'll never guess where I got that idea. Where'd you get that idea? YouTube. A TV show called How It's Made. One of my all-time favorites where they, you know, take factory tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were making uh, buck hunting knives. Oh, yeah. And they had this long uh, set of machines and the there's a bar that run it, it's like a L shape, pretty long, and all the knives are hanging off the horizontal, and it's sliding it through the different parts of heat treating, and they do the through that oh, what's it called salt bath? Oh yeah, yeah. Liquid salt looks yep. like lava. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, the yeah, and I've never and I've seen somebody, uh, like on YouTube, do it like it for two knives at the same time. But you know, I was just thinking the other day when you were talking about doing a batch, I was thinking, you know, you are so interested in you know making your process more efficient mm-hmm. that uh, I was trying to think about that for you. Yeah, thanks. No, that's a that's a really good idea. I, yeah, I think I would, um, I was just thinking about my ammo can and I think for 10 knives, that wouldn't be enough volume. I think that volume of oil would heat up too quick. This is on like the small type of oil cans or ammo cans. But if you had a slightly larger, like you said, like a trough, like even if you got one of those big, um, you know, like a drywall mud trough trough. Absolutely. You get one of those that's like, uh, cause you can get some of them that are like 24, 18 inches or something like that. And that would be enough. Cause then you could space them out, take full advantage of like the 18 inch depth in the kiln. That's actually a good idea. I think you just stalled the video there, Todd. I might have to <laughs> go, go <laughs> pick up, pick up some accoutrements. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. But yeah, it'd be, uh, be fun. And then I'll do like 10 Kydex sheaths for these things and. Had a few messages on the on the gram. People were wondering if are all those spoken for. It's like not a single one of them is spoken for. I don't take orders anymore. <laughs> it's kind of nice. I finished up um, a knife that a guy had been waiting for for a long time. Got that done up and get that sent out. But it feels it feels good to be back into the old, uh, you know, making videos of making knives again. I don't know why it. I, I don't know why why I stopped or why I began to hate it because I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. Like yesterday was a blast. I'm like, this is great. And and then filming in the new shop too. There's lots of if I want to take the time, there's a lot a lot of opportunity for, for getting different shots and you've got room to move cameras around and jada jada. But no, it's good. You know, listen, do you ever listen ever listen to the Meat Eater podcast? 
No. So it's ba- it's a guy, Steve Ranella. Um, it's basically all hunting and fishing. And um, they have all kinds of different people on. And it's it's a pretty big podcast. Um, he was actually on Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan said, you should start your own podcast. And then that's when he did it. And um, one of the big, I'm big shows. I'm aware of, of him. And I've li- I think I listened to one. And it's been a long time because he had a this pretty famous female hunter fisher outdoors person mm-hmm. and anyway it turns out she's a giant fraud mm. and it the suspicions for that started on that show mm. on that podcast and uh he actually didn't or whoever is in charge somebody they didn't release the podcast until, you know, every the, the lid had blown off because he didn't want to do that himself. No, okay, yeah. Um, but, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so he had I the, guess during the podcast, he was uh, one of her people. Mm-hmm. Kept feeding her the answers to whatever they were asking. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah, so I was listening to it, and, um, well... Just a second. I um I know I like it. Like he always has very different guests on, and it's it's never him and a guest. It's always like a group of people, and so it's kind of like a discussion. Sometimes he's in it, sometimes he's not. But uh, he's having these guys on different people, and this one he had on is called. Uh, he's a YouTuber called In the Woodyard. Have you ever seen that channel? No. It's a pretty well, pretty about thirty nine point five thousand subscribers. And, um, it's interesting because like, so this guy, he's, I don't know, 60, I think he's 60 or 65. And I think he's just in Wisconsin and he literally just is a wood processor, like for firewood. And his son is an IT and he's like, dad, you should start taking videos of this stuff. People find this interesting. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll set you up a YouTube channel. And so I did. And, um, it's funny because he starts talking like he also does a lot of trapping. This guy who has this YouTube channel and he was on the the, the uh, podcast. He's like, you know, I, I also do a lot of trapping, fishing, hunting. And he said he started getting some traction with these wood videos, like processing firewood. And so, oh, OK, cool. And then he started doing other fishing, hunting and stuff like that. And he, he noticed like he said, you know what? It really he said in, in YouTube, the more specialized you can get the the better your channel will do. And I, I it's true. I mean, it's, as much as people hate it, it's true. But like this guy, he'll get like, on a, in a video, he'll get like 12,000 views a day. Like like on the first day of his videos live, he'll get like 12,000. And he said, you know, like on the interviews, he's saying, like, yeah, YouTube is really, it's like a well-paying job. You know, like I make good money doing it. And he's got less than 40,000 subscribers. I'm like, that's crazy. But it, it's true, like, as much as I hate it, as much as I, or I think I hate it, if I focus just on knife content, I will do, I think my channel will do a bazillion times better than if I am all over the place, you know? But, and then there's this I, other... No, I agree that works for a lot of channels. Mm-hmm. But then you look at other channels that... You know, they're, the subject of the channel is the person, mm-hmm. not a particular, not, not like knife making or car yeah. repair. It's whatever they happen to be doing, and their videos are getting you know half a million views. Um, I, I was watching a guy's video the other week, and my wife was like, oh, how many viewers this guy has? He sucks, that's what she said. Um, talking about his personality mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm like, well, the, the video has been up for like eight minutes. He's got 54,000 people. It's already yeah. wa- started watching it. Yeah. She's like, Oh, I think, I think that air is like, I think it is so the, the handful of people that can do that is so small. And I also think that, 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 I think forming an audience like that 
now is way more difficult. Like there's certain people that, that have done it. Right. But like, I don't, I I don't know. Like I just look at my analytics and anytime I stray from anything other than like the knife making is just, I get the most views and it's like, you know, if you're going to make a video and you, if you want to make money doing it and you want to grow and, and like, if you make a video, it's like, Oh cool. Like, you know, that Swiss army knife car I did, I thought that would be popular. And I put a lot of work into, first of all, the project that wasn't like a, it wasn't something I slapped together. It took a lot to, it wasn't hard, but it took a lot of time to build that. And then I filmed every single process and I was, you know, and I thought, oh, this video is going to do really good. It's got like 2000 views right now. I'm like, man, that's some garbage right there. Like, and then I don't know, but then anything like with a knife, it's like, oh, wow. Like a wah handle dowel trick. You know, and that's got like seven or 8,000 views. And so it's just, I don't know. It's so weird. But, and I know like I watch some channels, like big channels that are personality based, but I don't know of anybody new channels that, that are, that take off. Like even like Weston Chaplin, you, you still watch him? I am, I'm subscribed. Yeah. But his YouTube stuff is so sporadic now. Oh, really? He's doing other things. Uh, but his is still all based on and, cars, you know? Yeah. Well, and then all his YouTube stuff now doesn't show anything other than, yeah, you know, that's true. a fat guy screaming and <laughs> saying, redneck science, and you got to go someplace else, which he doesn't tell you where, and try to find all the stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's true. And I'm Look not what ever going to get TikTok. So. Is he what? Is he on TikTok? Everybody is just about. That's famous, famous, but hmm. I ain't doing it. No, I'm not on TikTok. Never will be. You know, it's bad enough being on Google or YouTube or anything like that, um, Facebook or Instagram, because of the way they misuse your personal information and spy on you. But TikTok. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, some of the terms of service for TikTok is that you have to agree that what it, the email you log in with, that they have a right to look up information on any device that logs into any other service with that email address. Basically, it's like carte blanche. Like here, everything I've ever done on, on any device I own currently, you have full access to look into. That's basically yeah, what the terms and conditions and- are. When somebody said it's the it's basically the social media arm of Chinese intelligence service, uh, no, it really is. So, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of useless. Uh, like, I don't know. It is so funny. Well, I hate shorts anyway. I hate yeah. You know, I hate vertical anything. It's stupid. <laughs> Turn it the other way, people. <laughs> um. Look at your TV set. Look at your computer screen. You know, like the old saying goes, this is for photo, turn it, picture, you know, movie, picture, yeah. movie, move, picture, movie, you know. I know, but look Sorry. at your phone screen. It's the, it's the phone screen that's I, done it to everybody. Your, your phone turns sideways, by the way. <laughs> Not naturally. No, I know. It it's, really does. No, but it's easier to scroll with your thumb when it's when it's vertical, and that's what that is. It's like the When you're watching scroll. something, turn it. Um, it's thin videos are stupid. Stop. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> no. I, I, well, yeah, get off my lawn, but those are separate things. And what yeah. the hell is wrong with asking people not to trespass? Not to what? Trespass. Why, why is people that wrong? Like, oh, he's a get off your lawn guy. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody <laughs> should be because it's trespassing. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. You know how much lawn maintenance costs now? <laughs> That's right. I'm mean, no serious. Kidding. You know, oh, stay yeah. off it. Oh, yeah. Now, or, I'm not saying, if, if you know, your kids and their friends play on your, that's fine. But when just random people come park it in your front yard, no. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? Like, we had... Uh, when we lived in Strathmore, one of the places we lived in, we had this kind of, it wasn't a cul-de-sac, but it was like a corner of a street. 
And so it made the street made a turn, only one turn. And so it kind of like flared out sort of in this. And so we had a pie-shaped lot. And so all the front yards were super small, but our backyards were massive. Like I think our backyard end-to-end at the widest part was like 180 feet. And oh, maybe that's an exaggeration. It was like 130. It's something like that. But um, anyways, we had a little bit of room in the front yard. And we had this snowy, snowy winter. And we built this like fort for the kids to play in. And it had like a little slide, a little snow slide and stuff like that. And anyways, we must have we must have gone on a vacation or something. And it was years later after we'd moved, we we found pictures on Facebook of our next door neighbor's daughter and her kid playing in the snow fort in our yard when we were gone. Because <laughs> we looked at the dates that she shared them, and it's like, yeah, we we're gone then. We we're on vacation. And like several days in a row, she's just over there with her kid playing in our yard. And just every time we hear get off my lawn, that's what comes to my mind. I'm like, you literally were like set up and were like playing on my lawn. That's funny. And you know what the thing is too, is that the, the thing that that is weird about that is that they could have asked and said, hey, can we, can our daughter come over or like our daughter's kid come over and play there? We would have said yes. Like we knew them well. We'd gone to church with them. I think they were even at our wedding. Like knew them very well it just seems weird that they wouldn't just be like hey is it all right if we just play in your front yard for a few days you know it's weird it's weird when people that know you really well do something as as harmless as that but then they try to keep it a secret from you it's kind of strange well then that means they know it's wrong and yeah you know the difference is between you know trespassing and permit you know Ah, never mind. I screwed that up. But permission. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, if I, you know, you're camping out on my land, you know, you can have a problem. Yeah. And the kids in Waldorf, when we lived in Maryland, tore up our front yard. Oh, really? Killed a plum tree. Jerks. Those little jerks, eh? And then the, one of the kids that helped kill the plum tree lived two houses down, and he loved the plums. Hmm. Peer pressure. And I uh, uh, <clears throat> was going out to get the mail one day after we, you know, took it out and dug up the root and all that. He's like, yeah, that's really sad, the uh, plum tree, bro. I love those plums. Then why'd you kill the tree? Yeah, no kidding, eh? And he just looked at me. Hmm. I mean, because he knows I know he did it because we came out when they were doing it. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I mean, I grew up with respect for other people's stuff. Mm Hmm. What, where did that go? I don't know, man. It's non-existent. And it's all the, you know, it's all the bad parents, people that wouldn't discipline their kids. All that crap. Would not, would not, could not, should not say the word no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did 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 we talk about that parenting conference here? Steph and I went to? No, I don't think so. So anyways, like our church put on this uh, parenting conference. It, it was just a day, like a day thing. And we, it was kind of like a quick group session. And then you pick two breakout groups of eight. So there's eight different topics and whatever. And it was basically just the morning on a Saturday. And so Steph and I went out for breakfast first, left the kids home to uh, clean the house. And then we went to our parenting conference. And the one of them we, we went to was like communication with children. And I thought, yeah, you know what? Pretty much every single part of life boils down to communication. And um, and so the person teaching it was like, she's in charge of children's ministries. I shouldn't say, but what, where she, whatever. But kind of basically her whole premise was, um, and, and there's certain, like, certain part of it I, I agree with, but it was basically like use positive affirmations than like negative, you know, things. And I'm like, ah, hmm. And her thing was like, you know, say if your your toddlers just learned to tie their shoes and you're on the door out for school 
and you're already you're already like five minutes late and you reach down to tie their shoes and they're like, no, 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 no I want to do it. I want to do it. And it's like, you know what? It's probably best to let them, you know, have that sense of independence. And y- you know what? You may be an extra three to five minutes late, but it is so important for that child. And I'm like, bullshit. Like if you're late, first of all, you're teaching your kid that other people's time isn't worth nearly as much as yours. And I don't respect other human beings. Because when you're late for something, what you are saying is, I don't care about you. Your schedule isn't nearly as important as mine. So you're teaching your kid that, first of all. And then you're teaching them, like, it's just, like, so stupid. And this was at, like, like I consider our church a fairly conservative church. And I'm like, wow. And there's all these different examples. Like, I don't know. Like, all these things how, for a bad behavior, you could look at, you know, the, the strengths of it. And there's a certain sense where I agree, like you can't just be a parent who's always just the only time your kids hear from you is when they've done something wrong. And I agree that, you know, if, if you find somebody doing something right and you walk up and say, hey, yeah, I just want to let you know you did a good job. That does have a very uh, powerful impact. Some people say it's 10 times more valuable than a negative correction. And I don't, I don't buy that 10 times thing because um, I just know when people come up to me and tell me I do a good job, I'm like, oh, that's nice. He noticed. But if someone comes up and says something like, dude, you do this wrong, you made a big mistake. That has the the mistake weighs way heavier on my soul than the encouragement. But anyways, and I thought about okay, so so apply this thinking where you never actually correct a bad behavior or just say, hey, no, stop doing that. You're not allowed to do that. Instead of like one thing was like if she's constantly kids are like constantly tapping or drumming, it drives you nuts. Instead of saying stop tapping, say, you know what? I really admire your creativity and rhythms. And I'm like, that's the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard for parenting because how's this? When I go out on the road and, and, and you have a kid that's been raised this way and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I like all the lanes on the freeway and I want to be in all of them all the time and I don't want to be confined to a single lane and I get pulled over by the cop. Is that cop going to come up and say, you know what? I really admire your creativity, but do you think you could try to stay in just one of those lanes? Of course not. And people say, oh, don't ever say stop doing things. Then what about when your kid gets his driver's license and he comes up to a stop sign? And now it's this inanimate object telling him what to do. How hurt is his feelings going to be then? You know, and I'm like, dude, that is the wrong way to parent. I agree. You can't just be a mean parent. But sometimes if your kid's doing something, like your kid's about to touch a hot stove, are you going to say, you know, little Johnny, I really admire your your curiosity and things that you don't know about. And then what's and then he touches it or you can say stop it that's gonna make him stop it that's what you need to do like sometimes in life it's not about feely goodies sometimes it's about no don't do this and i think the reason you get these stupid pukes nowadays is because their parents have had this stupid idea of let's let's just be nice to our kids oh and then your kids why why is a plum tree i really miss that plum tree oh man ding dang donkulous hey yeah i don't know and i, I and i've seen firsthand well, in-laws saying I, I, no i've got in-laws a parent where they will not say no to their child and all the while they're trying to get them to stop doing something and then the kid doesn't like being talked to like that and spits at their mom and then kicks her and she still doesn't say stop it so i've seen firsthand that it is ineffective but well, what were you saying I don't think that being nice or being mean in a given situation um, makes you mean if it's isolated from all the other behavior every other day of the child's life mm-hmm. that has been with that parent. It's a pattern of behavior that makes you mean or a good or bad parent, all that. And as my Uncle told me one time, because uh, he was one that would uh, chastise, but afterward explain. Mm-hmm. And he he was explaining to me that sometimes when you get your hands slapped because you're reaching for a fire, you know, that's not being me wanting to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It, I'm stopping you from getting burnt because I love you. Mm-hmm. And if I were, you know, to say, oh, 
oh, Todd, don't touch that. By the time I did all that, you've already, you know, got third degree burns. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's a pattern of behavior, not a specific incident. So, you know, if your kid's out in public and whatever, um, you know, like pick up a rock and you're fixing to throw it at another kid. No, don't. Yeah. It's a lot better than, oh, please don't throw that rock because the kid's going to be like, screw you. Yeah, yeah. Or even worse because with their take. kids, like many adults, will go as far as they can, and they're mm-hmm. testing those limits. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're like a, you know, a little puppy or a, a new dog that you're trying to trying to stay in the yard with a uh, wireless fence. Yeah. It has to test its limits and get shocked while it's yeah. burning. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, it's funny. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating for shock collars on children, but I'm also not not advocating that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen uh, kids that need that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. When it gets to that point, you know, the, the problem, if the, if the parent just does their job, you never get to that point. And all kids, like, when they're young, they, they test the limits. And that's the best time to correct that and, and teach them. That way, when they're adults, it's like, or teenagers, it's like, yeah, they understand how things work. They know the rules. They, you know, uh, people don't discipline them. They're teenagers. And they like, oh, man, now this kid's being really bad. And it's like, you're also too late to discipline him. Like, that. Your kid's just gonna end up in jail. Basically, it's how it's gonna work because you 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 never said no to him. You never disciplined him, and now he's doing and and now he's certainly not gonna listen to you. And you'd be in physical danger if you tried threatening him now or, or correcting him now. He'll get mad and punch you. So yeah, way to go. You just ruined his life. Proverbs says, well, "Spare the rod, spoil the child." I was reading a story out of Oklahoma yesterday. Uh, I think it was Oklahoma. Um, a seventy-five-year-old grandmother was driving her granddaughter and her granddaughter's boyfriend to the boyfriend's house. And I think she was 16 or 17. They're, you know, they're that kind of teenager. And uh, the grandmother was punched in the face, choked twice, and she said something about being poisoned, all because the granddaughter couldn't get her away. Hmm. Wow. Now, if you're going to do that to your Nana, um, you're a scumbag. Yeah, you should die. And that is the product of, you know, being entitled like these kids are. No, Oh, we can't say no. We can't harm their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Well, the people in prison are going to do that. Trust me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Totally. You want that kind of breaking of self-esteem or do you want? Um, you raise your kid, right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, in a good moral fashion. Um, um speaking of entitlement, our dog, <laughs> when it's cold, it, he doesn't like to poop outside. And I don't blame him, right? Like, it's cold. But, uh... And we're super cold right now. Like, I think it's minus 30 when I woke up this morning. And uh, so he'll go outside and he has to poop. Like, we know his routine, but he won't. And he will we'll take him out. It's like, Henry, like, literally, if you were focused, you can just, boom, get your job done. Less than a minute, we're inside, you know. And we've even tried, like, booties on him and stuff. And he still doesn't like it. He, he walks like his, his feet have just been cut off, like... But then he'll come inside, and then as soon as we're not looking, he'll sneak into a corner and poop. And it drives me nuts. I'm like, you stupid dog. Like, I do not, do not put up with dog poop in my house. Like, doesn't happen. And so when it's super cold, basically, like, we, he's a crate-trained dog. So in the morning, we take first thing, he goes outside. Like, that's the first thing he does. Okay, he goes to the washroom. Then he gets breakfast, his water, and then... Take him outside again. And if he doesn't poop after that, then he goes back into his crate. 
and then we'll take him out of his crate in an hour and take him outside. He doesn't poop. He went for three days without pooping because it was cold. And I'm like, you poor little dog. And I was kind of like talking to Steph. I'm like, is he like, do do we need to give him a laxative or something? Like, is he going to die? And Steph's like, no, he does this all the time when it's cold. Like he will literally not poop for three days. And then finally one day he lets it all out. But I didn't even know dogs could hold it for that long. But literally it's just, and it's not like he's sick or ill. And if he's out in the house and we're staring at him the whole time, like if he's, we're watching TV, we put his bed right in front of the TV so he can't get away with anything. He's fine. He'll lay there. You can tell he's got to go to the washroom, but he's fine. And man, what an entitled little dog. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Benny had an accident in the house this week, but he was sick. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's a different thing. Like, it's it's one thing if a dog, like sometimes if a dog eats, running around outside and eats something, and next thing you know, he's got like uh, Hershey squirts, and it's like, well, I can't blame you for that, you know? But when he, he like... He is, <sighs> He just gets mortified when he does it. Mm. Um, like he'll go, he'll act like, you know, um, I'm ashamed. I know you're ashamed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Because um, he did it sometime over overnight. Oh, and okay. uh, I found it at noon the next day. Hmm. In the laundry room. I was just, yeah, yeah. He gets a little treat at noon every day. For his hips, and uh, I'm sitting there in the bag, and I have really good peripheral vision. I mean, freakish peripheral vision, better than my front sometimes. Huh. And uh, I'm sitting there, and it's a, a, an, an exact 90 degrees from me down the hall yeah. on my left side. I'm getting the bag, and I'm like, da, 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 and I'm like, I just raised my head up. I'm still looking straight ahead. I'm like, you know, that carpet in the laundry room does not have a dark medallion smack in the middle of it. <laughs> Yuck. And I turn my head and I'm like, oh, oh, look, a Benny Patty. <laughs> you put it so nicely. <laughs> a, a Benny Patty. <laughs> it's dog <laughs> shit. <laughs> a Benny coin. <laughs> yeah. That's I, uh, funny. You know, then you clean it up, and they, you know, watch you clean it up. And he's like, oh, man, I forgot. I was going to tell you about that. Somebody broke in and pooped on the rug. Wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. you know. That's funny. The phantom pooper. Yep. Yeah, and then we have... Uh, and... Uh, what are you saying? Oh, no, I was just... Um, Tying that up, right on that subject. Yeah, we had, and it's so cold right now. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a cat person. Like, we, we have a cat, and we will always have a cat uh, for mice. But um, I don't know. I feel I, I must be getting soft because I'm feeling sorry for this cat, and to the point where I, um, we have this cage. We'll use it like sometimes to haul chickens or something. And uh, I put it, I set it up in the shop and then I put like a little blanket in there, an old blanket that was kind of like a rag. And then I, Steph went and got kitty litter and a tray. And so now I bring this cat inside when it's really cold out. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I don't want to run around because my, well, we were gone for like a couple of days this summer. My, my parents were here and my parents let the cats in the shop and they're like, oh, we couldn't get them out. And man, they crapped in the most random places there. It was disgusting. And as soon as I walked into the shop, it smelled like a cat house. Like, not strong, but I'm like, ugh. Like, enough that it bothered me as soon as I walked in. So I'm like, this isn't happening. Like, you know, if I have one cat and I'm going to let it run around for an hour or two, that's fine. But I'm not just going to let a cat sleep in the shop overnight. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. It bring it in. Like, it warms up. It's not bad, you know, when the sun's out and stuff. But when it's, like, minus 30, I feel bad for these little cats. And I don't know where they, like, they go into the barn, like, what's that? I said, and you know, I saw your video this past week where Uh you open the shop door and the cat's there at his ball and you say something, you speak to the cat. Yeah. And how you did it. Right. Hi, kitty. The tone of voice, (laughs) what you said. All right. Pause that. And you go back a couple of years when you were in the old house. 
and you walked outside to do something with the car. I think you were starting it up for stuff, and you saw the cats there, and you're like, "Ugh, I hate cats." <laughs> I'm I like, know. <laughs> and then you look now, go back to the modern day video, present day. I'm like, "Yeah, Jeremy's softening up the cats." Ah, yeah, I am, and I, I ugh. <laughs> It's disgusting. I feel I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. I'm ashamed. I hate cats. I really do. But I, I don't know. Animal welfare, like anim, the thought of an animal like not doing good, it's it bugs me. And it it like I don't like cats, but I also don't want this cat to freeze to death, you know, or or even be like miserably cold. But it's not like it's ever I mean, gonna well, be literally. Like, it's an employee, so exactly. it has a job to do. Exactly. Once. Yeah. As long as it's doing its job well, you treat your employees well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You give them health insurance, so keeping them from freezing to death is kind of like employee health insurance. Exactly. Yep. But um, man, like I don't know what it is. Cats. Like we had uh, three cats that we got this last time, and you know, it's we got them when it's warmer out, and they just leave. Like, they just take off, and especially if they're males, they're never going to stick around. But And so that's the other thing. It's like, okay, if you want these cats to stick around here, you got to feed them. And I, I don't want to feed them enough that they're not hungry for mice, you know. It's kind of like a, a balancing act. Like They're, not, they're never going to starve to death. And, you know, you, you see them with, with mice in their, in their mouth every at least once a week, and it's like, okay, good. I know, I know you're doing good. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't. I uh, I don't have a cat here. I need one, but that's a story for another day. But um, someone else I know that had a barn cat around here, uh, they feed their cat, they water their cat, and the cat catches, you know, every mice it sees, but it doesn't eat them. Does it at least kill it them? It kills them, but it doesn't okay, eat good. them. That's fine. Lays it down the uh, welcome mat at the house. Yeah, yeah. A little, little piece off. Right. Uh, th- I don't want, no. <laughs> but then again, it's like a performance report, you know, yep. as the yeah. employee. You know, hey, boss, you know. A little piece off. This offing. is my quota for the week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll yeah, tell you, yeah. it's better than using the the glue traps and having the Go check them every morning and then go kill the mouse that's stuck on the glue trap. Yeah, that's what I have in the shop right now is glue traps. And that's another reason why I couldn't let a cat just wander around in there because when we lived in the the trailer, I had that little tarp shed thing. I had glue traps in there. And, well, I I had to stop using them because there's always cats and repeat offenders. Like a cat gets stuck on one, you'd think it would learn because it hates you, you. You have to cut that glue off their paws. And you try and doing that while you're pulling on the glue, cutting with a knife, and the cat's freaking out. It is not a pleasant experience. And I've done it three times to the same cat. I'm like, you stupid idiot. No, don't step here, you know? But dumb. Cats are dumb. You know what else I hate about cats? The thing the most I hate, and I don't care what anybody says, this is an, this is an undeniable truth. Cats are selfish. Like, they're so bloody selfish. Like, dogs are friends. And dogs will think about you and try to make you happy. Cats don't care what you think. Like, the thing that drives me nuts is when you have small cats and you're walking, they will always, they'll be walking kind of beside you and then they'll dart right in front of you and stop while you're in the middle of a stride. And so I don't, I, I don't break my stride for any cat. And these stupid cats, they'll, they eventually learn. They'll, they'll, they'll be walking, like they'll be like two inches from the side of my leg and it's moving, like we're walking and all of a sudden it'll go right in front of me and it expects me to stop. I'm like you stupid idiot. Cats are the dumbest, most selfish animals on earth. Have you ever noticed that I've got that picture and it's a target with two hipster cats in front of it? Yeah. Yeah, I get a little, uh, it's like one of those little nuggets you kind of put in videos and I get a, every now and then people come, do you really hate cats? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> But, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yelled at on Facebook um, a couple of weeks ago by an old friend that I used to work with. She's old, like a little older than me. She's one of the lawyers I used to work with, and uh, one of the good ones. And uh, I said something about, uh, you know, put down social media 
You know, no one needs to see what you eat. No one needs another stupid cat video. Oh, oh boy, she went off. <laughs> Good-heartedly, you know, you know good-naturedly, because she's a cat lover. Hmm. That's funny. I'm like, I, you know, sometimes you put something in a, a story like that on Facebook or, you know, a, a, something in a video just to generate comment. Mm-hmm. See who's going to read it, who's going to pay attention. Just get people riled up. <laughs> right on. Well, I actually got to get yeah. cruising here, Todd. Yeah. Busy, busy day today. We got, uh, there's like Strathmore Performing Arts Festival is coming up in like a month. And then here, this week is a week off school for kids. And so Steph's, or not Steph, Ava is in like different quartet groups, duet groups and blah, blah, blah. So this week is like crunch week where they try and get all the kids practicing together as much as they can. So they don't have to do it at night. So like Steph's running around, we're running around. I think, I think Ava has like eight or nine different music lessons between like Tuesday and, and today. So we're just kind of this week, this is like hell week for, for music, but. I got to get cruising, but it's great chatting with you, Todd. Absolutely, as yeah. always. Yeah, uh, I'm glad my voice a, came back. Great. Yeah. I woke up yesterday. I thought, oh boy, I better get feeling better because I I couldn't I could hardly talk yesterday again and I was coughing, but pulled it off. I sound like an old haggard smoker, but that's okay. And uh, thank you for everybody listening. Appreciate it. Tell your friends, and uh, yeah, should be back with another one next week. Yeah, we should be up to uh, 36 subscribers in by what, March, April, May. Is that what, did you look at a projection? Or is that what you're saying? Oh, no, if we went from 9 to 18 in three months. That's true, yeah. You know, yep. We should go to from 18 to 36. Yep. Right on. All right, well, we'll talk to you all later, and have a good day. See you all.